We might be familiar with the efforts here in Australia to establish treaties with our First Nations people. Well, one of our nearest and dearest neighbours, New Zealand, already has a treaty with its First Nations people. But now there's a push to re-examine it. Some say even abolish it. The Treaty of Waitangi is a foundational document in New Zealand. And tomorrow, of course, is Waitangi Day, an important day on the New Zealand calendar. But when the leaders of the New Zealand government arrived at Waitangi in the north of the North Island today, they didn't really get a very warm welcome. Take a listen. To strip the treaty of its mana, to belittle the real, by trying to make it a second-class language in our land. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. And you want to gut the treaty in front of all of these people? Hell no! That's party leader of the Mana movement, Hone Harawira, uh, speaking at a public meeting between the New Zealand government and Maori leaders at Waitangi today. Margaret Mutu is a professor in Maori studies at Auckland University, joins me now, Professor. Just for listeners in Australia who might not be familiar with the treaty, what was exactly agreed to in 1840 between the Maori chief and the British crown? So the original agreement or the original, the originating document was signed five years earlier. It was a declaration of where sovereignty lay in the country and that lay with the leaders or the chiefs of the various groupings around the country. That declaration said uh, that they would never ever give that away and that they would meet at Waitangi every year to make laws. Uh, to regulate trade and to keep the peace. Now, the Treaty of Waitangi was signed five years later because Europeans, and there weren't many of them, uh, were not abiding by the laws of the country. And that was what that declaration had said, that they had to abide by those laws. So they weren't. And the chiefs were getting fed up with them. And so they said to the Queen of England, you need to take responsibility for your lawless subjects. And that's what the treaty was about. First of all, the treaty allowed immigration, British immigration into New Zealand. It confirmed the earlier declaration that this was a Māori country and Māori would remain in charge. And it also promised to protect Māori from lawlessness amongst the uh, Europeans coming into the country and that Māori would have access to British culture, British law, Uh, in exactly the same way that um, the English or the British coming in would. So that was the the treaty. It was merely giving the Queen of England responsibility for stopping the lawlessness amongst her British immigrants. So that was 184 years ago, and the Treaty of Waitangi has been in place ever since, for better or for worse. So what is the current push to re-examine this treaty? Why Why now? Because in 1975, after having ignored it uh, on the British side of it, Māori always upheld it. We allowed the immigration. That was our part of the bargain. The British never upheld it. And they came in and instead of upholding the laws of this country, they came in and dispossessed Māori marginalised us, drove us into poverty, just the same as colonisation had done everywhere. 
by, by the 1970s, so 50 years ago, the younger generations were saying no, no more. And so you had very large protests starting to uh, ramp up around the country. That resulted in the government setting up the Waitangi Tribunal to investigate uh, breaches of the treaty. Now, that uncovered atrocities that had been committed by incoming British right the way around the country. And it informed Māori of what had actually happened to their lands, because in many cases, we just didn't know. Now that they do, we have, over the last 40, 50 years, clawed back a whole lot of the rights that were taken off us. Now, we've got to a point now where a small section of the European population is really, really scared that Māori are once again being able to take their rightful place in the country and they're moving in to stop it without understanding how much the Māori culture can actually benefit them and the whole country. It's actually quite sad. That um, sort of leads us neatly into talking about the politics of this. The ACT Party has really been leading this and their influence in the New Zealand government is already having an impact through bills which seek to reduce the use of Māori language in public life and repeal legislation that promotes Māori leadership. So you, you would say that this has a very real everyday uh, effect uh, on how New Zealand operates, if you like. This is not abstract yes, at all. No, it's not abstract at all. So what we have always fought for is to be able to look after our country in particular to look after the Mother Earth, that's a, that's a primary value in the Māori world, but also to be able to take care of our guests and therefore to help them make the decisions that are right for everybody. Uh, and that has been happening. What has happened is that more and more New Zealanders are now picking up those very, very valuable aspects of the Māori culture in order to look after the country and that has become very threatening for those who are used to white supremacy. And it is those ones who are now coming out and saying, no, 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 we need to return this country to the white New Zealand it used to be up until the 1960s. The bill, uh, or the ACT Party's proposed bill on this says that for all New Zealanders to be equal, Maori people can't contribute to public decisions with reference to their own culture. So... I don't, what's the logic there to try and understand the ACT Party's logic? Is it just fear, as you mentioned? Is there no logic? So the logic behind it derives from the notion that white people, European people, are superior to all other peoples in the world. It is white supremacy. I don't think that that is logical in any way, shape or form. It's an attitude that is, is very, very strong. What they're trying to do is maintain complete and absolute control to do whatever it is they want to do in this country, which has actually done this country a huge amount of damage. We have environmental problems, we have social problems, we have economic problems that can be tracked right back to that white supremacy. Now, slowly... Over the last 50 years, we've been able to claw back some of that so that now you're just starting. We're still a long way from achieving it, but we're just starting to get to a point now where Māori are entering into leadership roles across a whole lot of facets of 
the New Zealand community. And the white supremacists, the racists in this country, see that as a threat. If they bothered to listen long enough, they would see that it's actually for the well-being of everyone because the treaty was a treaty and is a treaty of peace and friendship. And it's about being able to live together with each other. There's no denying that the British brought their own culture with them. Māori will never, ever deny that. But what the British immigrants are trying to do, the racist ones, and it includes some of our own who have assimilated, is that no, 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 there is to be no culture other than the British culture in this country. And that has been hugely detrimental to generations of Māori denying who we are. It's interesting to hear you speak like this because I think we have this naive concept, at least on this side of the ditch, uh, that uh, New Zealand is a sort of exemplary case of integration and dealing with uh, the colonial histories and uh, this issue is is far from being resolved. Margaret Mutu is a professor of Māori studies at Auckland University. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.